is the Goddamn Tennis Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Amell. I'm Brandon. Which kind of host are you? Sidekick host. Just regular old sidekick host. Brandon, how is your uh, first week of social distancing going? My quarantining? Yeah, your isolation. It's exactly like my normal life. It's great to hear. Other than the world outside being on fire. Details. My actual day-to-day life is almost exactly the same. So there's something. I hope all of our listeners out there are staying safe, healthy, and most of all, sane with all the chaos happening right now. Hope to bring your mind off things a little bit with today's episode 79 of the Tennis <laughs> Podcast. Oh, we're not going to take their mind off of it today. Oh, why is it? Okay. Oh, what a segue. Well, let's just talk about it. It's on everybody's mind and I couldn't help but think about the other times that pestilence and plague has threatened the world. Hmm. So, today we are going to talk about the deadliest outbreaks in history. I guess you're right. We, I, I kind of segued us right into that, didn't I? Well, it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. People were screaming for this kind of content right now and we can't get enough of outbreak and pandemic. But yeah, that's why people, when they subscribe to the Tennis Podcast, they're thinking, I want to be reminded of the current doom and gloom news of the day. This is going to remind you how fucking fun it could really be. Okay. Because there's a lot of fun stuff in here. Sure. We're not going to talk about 10 outbreaks today because... Just too much overkill? I didn't have a list of 10. Yeah, it's way too much. And this is the 10-ish podcast, so I have the freedom, I'm empowered and emboldened to choose a list that is not 10, it's five. So, we have five of the deadliest outbreaks in history, but also have a bonus outbreak that was not <laughs> deadly, uh, was not one of the deadliest per se, but is still a, a plague that I could not go without, an outbreak that I could not go without talking about. And all of these, I think, will prove that what we're currently facing is a big pain in the ass, but relatively speaking, we were probably going to be okay. You said there's a bonus mm-hmm. outbreak. Are you saying it gets better? The outbreak we're going through right now, I, I took as a bonus. Okay, so two for the price of one sort of deal. Actually, a lot of epidemics or pandemics are two or more for the price of one. Many of these had several recurrences, sometimes over the course of dozens or even hundreds of years. Why don't you tell me about your list here? What are we talking about exactly? We are talking about the deadliest outbreaks and pandemics in recorded history in terms of deaths in the millions. Number of deaths, not like percentage. Yeah, the number of deaths. And the information comes from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's blog. This blog post, I think, was originally written several years ago, but it was recently updated and probably search engine optimized based on uh, recent... Some big fancy words there. The, uh, based on the uh, current coronavirus trend. So, that's how I found it. Okay. So, these are pandemics in recorded history mm-hmm. that resulted in the most deaths of humans. We're not talking about bat deaths no. or caterpillar deaths. Human deaths. We're talking about human deaths. Okay. Well, this will be fun. Yeah. It actually is going to be fun. So, what I said earlier about taking your mind off things, let's just throw that out the window, obviously. You can take your mind off of things another time. We're just going to get elbows deep. We're going to get up in them guts of uh, (laughs) bubonic party time. Okay. So, the bubonic plague, where's that? Number one? The bubonic (laughs) plague. Oh, the, the bubonic plague 
there's several plagues that were bubonic in nature. But I think you're talking about the Black Death. Sure. Uh, it was also known as the bubonic plague, also known as the pestilence, the great bubonic plague, the great plague, the plague, the great mortality. The Chinese flu. No, none of these were called the Chinese flu, which does seem to be like an overt attempt to uh, racialize it. Yeah, like, yeah. Just... Be an asshole racist. Yes. But, uh, but something we are going to see throughout this is that a lot of plagues did originate in area that is now known as Western China or Afghanistan and Northern India. Why is that? Just larger populations? I do not know. Okay. Was President Trump the president at the times that those happened as well? No, but there were some goobers in charge. <laughs> okay. Great. So, the Black Death though, where is that right? The Black Death is number one actually. Oh, I knew it. Yeah. The Black Death is estimated to have caused between 75 and 200 million deaths. Oh, God. The low end is 75 million? Yeah. What do you know about the Black Death or the... Very little. Uh, do you know like what era it took place in? Is this the medieval times? Yeah, it was medieval times. It was 1347 to 1351 was the initial and largest outbreak. It was one of the most devastating pandemics. I'm sorry, what was that time period? Thir How many years? 1347 to 1351. It was just four years. Wow. Uh, it results in the deaths of estimated 75 to 200 million people in Eurasia, peaking in Europe. The plague arrived in Europe in October 1347, when 12 ships from the Black Sea docked at the Sicilian port of Messina. People gathered on the docks were met with a horrifying surprise. Most sailors <laughs> aboard, aboard the ships were dead, and those still alive were gravely ill and covered in black boils that oozed blood and pus. Sicilian authorities hastily ordered the fleet of death ships out of the harbor, but it was too late. Over the next five years, the Black Death would kill more than 20 million people in Europe, almost one-third of the continent's population. Imagine dealing with that shit before modern medicine. Yeah, well, most of the ways they... A lot of, uh, a lot of people turned to magic and superstition, which did... Nothing. No way to talk about God here in Christianity. No, they also turned to bleeding, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. They, you get cut open and you bleed, to supposedly to get the bad blood out. Uh, that's also why leeches were used, leeching. A lot of bloodletting and a lot of like purposeful uh, vomiting and giving people diarrhea and stuff. Hang on, are you talking about your house on a Saturday night? Hello. Now listen here. <laughs> I don't even know why that's a joke. You want to know, how did it get, how did the Black Death arrive in Europe? Yes, that is my question. That is the question. Well, this is very interesting. We're going to find out right now. So, there's a 14th century account by the Genoese guy. <laughs> oh, the Genoese guy. <laughs> yeah, I think he was a shipping, uh, he was like a shipping and trade guy. Before you get into it. Sorry to cut your flow, but I, I kind of talked about this in my episode. Remember my list about the uh, pre-modern history people Wikipedia views? Mm -hmm. To me, it is such a fucking amazing convenience that we have that people during this time bothered to like take notes down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit that God. was happening, right? <laughs> because that was far from a given 
that someone standing by would be like, you know, someone should really write this shit down. God so bless them. Yeah, no, I'm You're seriously. I know what you mean uh, to take yeah, the time I'm, to I'm get. Serious. You can't even just go. You know, like now, it would be kind of old school to go click, click and click in a pen and scratch it on a scratch pad and save that mm-hmm. where someone could get to it. But back then, you would have to get like a quill and ink and do all that shit where you don't smear it everywhere. Yep. Those are the true unsung heroes of history. I think we're singing them right now. Okay. I'm about to sing Gabrielli. Tell me about it. Uh, the Genoese Gabriele de, M- de Musi. According to his account, the Black Death reached Europe from Crimea, uh, which is on the Black Sea, as a result of a biological warfare attack from the Mongol army. What? Who in this, in the following account, de Musi refers to as the Tartars. So, here's what I'm setting up for you. There is a city called Kaffa. Kaffa? Kaffa. It's a port city in what is now known as Crimea at uh, the northern end of the Black Sea. So, you say. In this city are the Genoese traders uh, from Genoa in Italy, right? So, there's Italian traders. You're losing me. Italian traders in the city of Kaffa, which is being besieged by the Mongol army. You know, the Genghis Khan Mongol horde, that army. The Mo- but I'm probably not with Genghis Khan. Anyway, the Mongol army is outside attacking. And I'm about to read you a firsthand account from Gabriele de Mosi of this siege and how he believes the Black Plague was started with the biological attack. Yeah, I'm really curious to know how, what biological warfare was like in the 1300s. Prepare to be dazzled. Got my dazzling pants on. Uh, and just remember that he is... Ref- that Demusi is referring to the Mongols as the Tartar Tartars. <laughs> it looks like tartar sauce. Tartars. Okay. <laughs> tartar Binks. Remember, Demusi is Italian, right? Uh-huh. I've been watching a lot of Sopranos. So that's how I'm gonna read this. Okay. You're gonna do an Italian accent? I'm gonna try to be like a Sopranos extra. <sighs> okay. Oh God. See how the heathen Tata races pouring together from all sides suddenly invested the city of Kaffa and besieged the trapped Christians there for almost three years. There, hemmed in by an immense army that could hardly draw breath, although food could be shipped in, which offered them some hope. But behold, the whole army was affected by a disease which overran the Tatars and killed thousands upon thousands every day. It was as though arrows were raining down from heaven to strike and crush the Tata's arrogance. All medical advice and attention was useless. The Tata's died as soon as signs of disease appeared on the bodies. Swellings in the armpit or groin. Oh, baby. Caused by coagulating humors, followed by a putrid fever. Now, pause there for just a moment. It's about to continue. Now, he's, what he's saying is he's trapped in this city of Kaffa. And he's there with them, trapped. It's been almost three years trapped by a huge army. They could get food in, but that was like it. So, the Mongol army, which is surrounding them, was suddenly affected by this disease and it made these big boils, these uh, egg to small apple sized (laughs) boils around their groins and armpits. Uh, It was caused by the swelling of lymph nodes. Anyway, this is where uh, uh, Demusi continues and talks about biological warfare. The dying Tardis, stunned and stupefied, 
by the immensity of the disaster brought about by the disease and realizing they had no hope of escape, lost interest in the siege. But they ordered the corpses to be placed in catapults and lobbed into the city. Oh, goddamn. In the hope that the intolerable stench would kill everybody inside. Oh, death by stench. What seemed like mountains of dead were thrown into the city and the Christians could not hide or flee or escape from them. And although they dumped as many of the bodies as they could into the sea. So they were catapulting. The dying Mongols, knowing that they were screwed anyway, started launching so yeah. many dead and diseased bodies yes. by, via catapult into the city that they piled up like mountains. And you know that they didn't just land like a, like a rag doll in one piece. You know that they yes. were popping and splattering all over the place. Oh, we need the spot calculator again this episode. Just imagine like sitting by the window reading a book and all of a sudden you've got cold bits of diseased Mongol all over you. <laughs> and it's like an egg that lands and cracks and the yolk oozes out. That yolk in this case is the putrefied stench aim to kill these people. So, well, the Mongols on. were... Well, hold on. Demosi's yeah, okay. got just okay. a little bit more. And soon the rotten corpses tainted the air and poisoned the water supply. And the stench was so overwhelming that hardly one in several thousand was in a position to flee the remains of the Tata army. Moreover, one infected man could carry the poison to others and infect people and places with the disease by look alone. No one knew or could discover a means of defense. Before we go on, why don't you go ahead and just get it over with and go ahead and apologize to our listeners for your accent. I won't. That was a lot of fun. Keep the accent on and just go ahead and wrap, wrap up this section with Santa Baby. Nope. Go ahead. Do it for Danny DeVito. You know he's listening right now. Okay, let's talk about these putrefied stenched bodies. now. I want to know where, because they were diseased and or dead when they were catapulted. Yeah. But where did the disease originate from? Like the first person that got these. They brought it with them. I'm going to be honest. I don't really understand how new diseases develop. What we've heard from the current outbreak of coronavirus, it was from eating bat meat. We'll find out later uh, when we know swine flu was passed from swine to human. Later, we'll also learn about a disease that was passed from another animal to humans. So, I think a lot of these are mutated. They start as a disease in animals and then once they carry over to humans, they mutate into some... There's a lot of mutation going on with viruses that like they can start as something that's deadly in an animal and then pass as something that's equally as messed up in a human. So, they brought it with them. And they kept them prisoner for three years. Mm -hmm. By the way, just based, just living a normal life at this time period fucking sucked, right? Like if you're just a normal person working and going home and- And we have Netflix. We're quarantined yeah. under Netflix. They just had Mongol corpses raining down <laughs> on them for, for fun. There's gambling and like you can gamble on where the corpses will land mm -hmm. and what time they'll land and how much- explosion upon impact there'll be. So, there's ways- Is this where we do our bet online <laughs> mid-roll? <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. 
Okay, so so people that escaped that situation brought the Black Death with them to the European countries. Yeah, so the yeah, exactly. The Genoan shipping guys, you know, the trade the the shippers, the guys, the ship. What do you call them? The sailors. The shippers. <laughs> but they're like the businessmen, the tradesmen. You know, they're trading. The businessmen. <laughs> There's businessmen on there too. Did they have briefcases with them? Uh huh. <laughs> oh, fucking the businessmen. Whatever. The guys that were bringing back the goods. Of course, the businessmen. The guys with the goods. So the guys with the goods roll up to Genoa. The sales associates. Yeah, into the port, and then the rats on the ship. And the fleas on the rats get off of the ship and the fleas are biting people and passing the disease and the rats are getting into everything and rats and fleas. Yeah. Again and again, it comes from rats and fleas. And then once it got into Italy, it went everywhere. 75 million to 200 million. What percentage of the population was that? Well, I'm going to tell you. But right, okay. a- right after I tell you what it was like getting the plague. Yeah. The most commonly noted symptom was the appearance of buboes, or bubonic buboes, which are bumps, big old. Oh yeah, baby, big old. That's the next Black Eyed Peas song. My lovely bumps. (laughs) My lovely (laughs) buboes. They're in there, the groin, the neck, and the armpits, where the Uh lymph glands are, lymph nodes, whatever. Supposedly, yeah, I'm not a you know physician. They ooze pus and blood when they're opened. So, don't open them. <laughs> and so, the boils, the buboes, the big bumps around your groin, your neck, and your armpits that ooze pus uh-huh. and or blood when they're open were followed by an acute fever and the vomiting of blood. That's never a good time. Which this is the worst thing to be vomiting. Most victims yep. died two to seven days after the initial infection, which is fast. That is fast. That's like day zero, they might not even have symptoms yet, right? Day two, you vomit blood. And then you could die as early as day two as well. I'd want, yeah, That's... I would want to. Once I, if I vomit blood once, I'm probably just going to tap out. In the fucking 1300s, yeah. I mean, if you get a stub toe in the 1300s, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to die. Well, in southern France and Italy, where the virus originally spread from, it killed around 80% of the population. Wow. And over the four years? In more isolated areas like Germany and England, it was more like 20% of the population. You know, it's kind of unbelievable that humans <laughs> survived all these plagues over time. Yeah, well, we're just like the fleas and the rats. We're scrappy. I mean, think about the thousands and millions of years that humans had to live without modern medicine, without vaccines, without even fucking Tylenol to bring your fever down. The fact that we made it this far says something. because we just kept about... having a bunch of kids. Yeah, that's right. The last thing I'll say about the Black Plague, the bubonic plague, is this is where a lot of the imagery around the plague doctor comes from. You know what the plague doctor looks like? No, maybe. I think you do. You're into creepy shit. Tell me about him. The plague doctor. He or her? Yeah, it was a he. Uh, the, the, <laughs> this, they weren't very woke uh, in the Middle Ages, if you didn't know that. The, That's really strange, yeah. The plague doctor covered himself up as much as possible, it usually meant a hood and a cloak, and then wore a mask that looks like it has a huge long bird beak on the front. Oh, that. Okay, yeah, I, I know that. That's the plague doctor. It ca- also came Why around- Why do you wear that? Well, I'm getting to that. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> chill the fuck out. 
So why the creepy bird mask? It says here in my notes. The nose part was filled with aromatics to help mask the stenches that the plague doctor would be exposed to. Now, part of this sounds like, oh, these are just namby-pamby doctors <laughs> who can't handle a little doo-doo, pus, and blood smell, right? <laughs> God damn. But that's not, that's not just it. In the Middle Ages, you remember when I said that uh, Erwin de Mussy, he really emphasized that the bodies were lobbed into the city in the hope that the intolerable stench would kill yep. everyone inside? During this time, they, one of the ways they believed that they were starting to put together the way disease was spread. They weren't great at it, but knew it had something to do with being in close proximity and being in the same air. And they thought it had to do with bad smells, with stenches. Oh. So, if they threw all the dead bodies in there, eventually the overwhelming stench would make it very sick. And there is probably something to that like They thought idea. just like a whiff of it could get you sick? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that specifically. But, so filling the nose of a plague doctor's mask with these aromatics to mask the stenches was also a way in their mind to protect the doctor from illness. I got to tell you, there's some brave doctors back in this time. Not wearing gloves, not wearing a... I mean, I guess he did have a mask, but you Some know. say brave, some say fucking completely <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> yeah. Not stupid, just totally ignorant. There's no way they could have known at the time. Yeah. That like... They should have listened to this podcast. Yeah, that you should wipe shit off of your hands before you eat bread. Nah. That's what fucking pansy boys do. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you wouldn't have made it through the plague either. Anyway, that was the plague or the black plague or the black death, the bubonic plague. Number one, an estimated 75 to 200 million deaths. Crazy. Well, one second. Oh, sorry. Am I uh, keeping you up? <laughs> I mean, actually, literally, yes. So, did they find these bird masks hundreds of years later? Find them? Find them. Like, uncover them. No. A lot of things from the... You don't have to like find stuff from the Middle Ages like a plague doctor's mask. You wouldn't have to like find it underground. I'm sure some of them would have been saved in some way, very deteriorated, but they also had like images in books and wood carvings and stuff like that. Fucking historian over here. Jesus Christ, get, well, get it, Brandon. Just, You're fucking smart. God damn. Did a few cursory Google searches of the subject I was going to talk about. No. Let me ask you something. I've seen some people mention this on Twitter. I saw someone uh, bring up an interesting point I want to get your take on. The situation we're all dealing with right now, the coronavirus, you know, this could last weeks, months, God forbid, years. But do you think this will have long-term impacts to the ways humans interact? Like, for example, do you think handshaking could be phased out because of this? God, I hope so. Yeah. I don't know about... That's just one of many examples, handshaking. I don't know about something as like culturally significant as handshaking. But I was thinking today that one silver line, if, if people feel like this episode is a bummer because I'm still talking about yep. pandemics. You're just talking period. It's a bummer. One silver lining is that some really great art is probably being created right now, especially because people are forced to be at home. And that includes like music and stuff that's written, screenplays. I mean, think about all the people out there that are super creative and don't have any kind of outlet for right now other than just what they can do at home. 
So I think a lot of cool stuff will end up coming out of this if you like music and reading and art and media. But yeah, if you're a nerd or do any of the things that any of us do. Yeah, I uh, I think that's one thing that will come out of it that's good. But as far as like how people communicate and stuff, I don't know. It depends on how long it lasts. As a uh, high risk individual like yourself due to your advanced age, are you concerned about... Do you remember that people have met me and thought <laughs> you were older than me? No, that's never happened once. That has absolutely happened. <laughs> no, that has not. Uh, do you want to compare driver's licenses? I mean, I'm not talking about the facts. I'm just talking about... Well, you know what? Let's get back to the facts. Let's get... How about another guess? Would that do you good? Yeah, you needed to do another guess. Okay. Spanish flu. The Spanish flu. God, what are you... Racist... Which is a racist name, right? What's it... No. That's it... like its mainstream name. Is there another name for it? No. Uh, well, it was also known as the influenza. Okay. But it is known as the Spanish flu and it's okay. It's not... Uh, Totally like racist in nature, and I'll explain why it's called the Spanish flu. But yeah, the 1918 Spanish flu is number two on the list. That's so recent. Causing 50 million deaths. How do they track deaths in the 1300s going back to the Black Death? Anyway. An abacus. Just drawn lines in the sand. 1918 Spanish flu. It was uh -huh. an unusually deadly influenza pandemic infected 500 million people around the world, or about 27% of the world population. Damn. It had a higher than expected mortality rate for young adults. It disproportionately affected young adults between the ages of 25 and 34. It's kind of the opposite of what we're dealing with now. Yeah. In some ways. It, something about their healthy or stronger immune systems uh, were made to, I guess, work against them. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just, uh, it was like a really shitty bad flu. And um, most of the deaths were caused from bacterial pneumonia, which is like a most common secondary uh, infection associated with influenza. No boo-boos on this one or boo-boos? People were also killed directly by the flu by causing massive hemorrhages or edema in the lungs from like really, really intense coughing. Yeah. They killed mostly young adults uh, in 1918 to 1919. 99% of pandemic influenza deaths in the U.S. occurred in people under 65 and nearly half in young adults between 20 and 40 years old. Wow. So, you, you know, it also happened during World War I. Yeah. So, some factors that contributed to the, <sighs> again, like... Do you need to have coffee? Do you need to take a walk around the <laughs> so, block? I just need another a different sidekick host here, but go ahead. We're not going to solve that right now. There's a couple factors that blew up the Spanish flu in 1918. Uh, one was the increased travel going on at the time. This was when we were rocking and rolling with trains all over the place, ships all over the place, uh, and air travel, I guess, was... Uh, Rocking and rolling. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, World War I was going on. And the close quarters and the massive troop movements of World War I hastened the pandemic. And probably increased transmission and augmented mutation. The war may have also increased the lethality of the virus. Some people speculate that the soldiers' immune systems were weakened by malnourishment, as well as stresses of combat and chemical attacks, and that increased their susceptibility. 
Mm-hmm. So, World War One it has like, and if I remember some statistic once that like, you know, the majority of deaths in war up until I think World War Two deaths were caused by disease than were caused by like violence. That's what was going on in World War One at the time. To maintain morale, wartime censors minimize the early reports of illness and mortality in the reports going to Germany, the United Kingdom. France and the United States. Individually, our own newspaper agencies were, our wartime censors were saying, like, uh, no, illness is no big deal. Uh, but they were free. Sounds familiar. But they were free to report the epidemic's effects in Spain because Spain was neutral during World War I. And King Alfonso XIII got gravely ill from influenza. So these stories created a false impression that Spain was especially hard hit giving rise to the pandemic's nickname, the Spanish flu. So, it had nothing to do with like originating in Spain or being more impactful in Spain. It's just that it was only really reported in Spain. 50 million deaths. What was the time period there? 1918? 1918 to 1919. There were a few Damn. like short uh, reoccurrences in the like following few years, but nothing like the original outbreak. And don't forget that that's just the people dying. Think about... Well, it infected 500 million people around the world. That's more people than are in the United States today. Yeah. Is... is um? Hey, God, Jesus. <laughs> I'll edit that out. What the fuck is going on? I'm, I'm exhausted. For the Spanish flu and the Black Death, mm-hmm. how are those contained? And part B of that question, is it because it infects everybody already and so they like gain immunity from it, I no, guess? no. Flu comes back every year and has like slight mutations. I think the flu that we normally talk about, that flu uh, is, actually, I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass. Huh. I think I heard someone explain it recently and I'd forgotten it and I'm talking out of my ass. Wow. But listen, who you know who's not talking out of his ass is Bill Gates. Well. Bill Gates says global health experts have been saying for years that another pandemic whose speed and severity rival those of the 1918 influenza epidemic was a matter of not if, but when, COVID-19 has started behaving a lot like that once-in-a-century pathogen that we've been worried about. Yeah. Uh, sorry to end on that note. Except it's not as deadly, right? Do you think? I don't know. It doesn't seem that way. And well, our technology and our medicine has definitely improved in the last 102 years. Uh, has it though? But That's debatable. No, it's not. Uh, but <laughs> I'm joking. But what may not have increased is our capacity. And our butts. Anyway. Definitely a lot more butts now. The two of the remaining five, you're never going to guess. But one of them you I, might. I, uh... Holy fuck. Do you need to be bitch slapped awake? Polio. No, polio is not. Polio just knocked your, the legs out from under you and made you precedent. Oh, god damn. I need to get me some of that polio. Actually, you know what? Being president sounds like the worst fucking job on the entire planet. I don't know why anybody would want to do it. I wouldn't give Trump's troubles to a monkey on a rock. It's not like it pays great. I mean, it pays good compared to a lot of jobs, but it doesn't pay good compared to a lot of other jobs. It's not worth the pain in the ass. No. Do you need a hint? Yeah. One of these, it's, and I'm not talking about the coronavirus. One of these is an epidemic or a pandemic that we're technically still going through. AIDS. HIV and AIDS is the third deadliest outbreak in history. You didn't think I could get, guess AIDS? Well, I've, I didn't know 
how long you wanted this show to go. It's number three on the list, having caused 25 million deaths. You won't be surprised to know, I don't have a whole ton of jokes about HIV and AIDS. Hmm. There's something about putting 102 or more years between us and death that allows us to giggle a little bit easier about it. But I do have some interesting facts about the HIV AIDS outbreak or epidemic. That didn't stop uh, Team America World, please. No, they made it fun. But I'm, I'm not that talented. Nope. So it is a current global pandemic. As of 2018, 37.9 million people are infected with HIV and 770,000 deaths from AIDS. And wow. that was in 2018. Sub-Saharan Africa is the most affected region of the world. An estimated 61% of new HIV infections occur there. That's a lot. That's a lot. They really need to get their act together when it comes wow. to that. Hot take. I mean, I, I think they're trying. I know the Bill Gates Foundation. Bill Gates again. Fucking Bill Gates. Jesus Christ. Are you ever going to get off his dick for a minute so we can continue this show? This guy's trying to make the world a better place. He's attacking viruses which seem to be our teeny tiny enemy. He's never sent me any money. <laughs> <laughs> well. How great can he be? <laughs> I imagine him listening to this at home. With, like never having guessed that we would have talked about him with a single tear going down his face. No, what he was doing is he had his checkbook out with He just scribbled it out and wrote void. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so. You're a semi-educated uh, human. Whoa. Tell me, what do you know about the origin of HIV, of the, oh. of the virus itself? The origin? Yeah, where did it come from? What have you heard? Well, I think it had something to do with... Laying down with a monkey? Adidas, mixing some letters around, and then laying with a monkey. Yeah, laying down... Somebody... It was about somebody laying down with a monkey. But let me tell well, you... Well, that might be... Well, I'm going to tell you why it's not far off. Okay. It probably wasn't laying down with a monkey. So, HIV, uh, HIV-1, as the virus is categorized, appears to have originated in southern Cameroon. Cameroon is a fucking fun country name, Cameroon. by the way, isn't it? <laughs> Cameroon. You know, a lot of stuff sucks about living in Cameroon, I'm sure, but the name ain't one of them. Well... You got a top 10 name there as a country. So, listen here about monkeys. Yeah. HIV-1. Originated in sub... Are you doing it to fuck with me? For real? <laughs> no. Don't edit these out. I want people to know what you're doing. No. I don't have a Diet Dr. Pepper like you do to keep me going. You sound like you're afflicted. Now, HIV-1, the virus, came out of southern Cameroon through the evolution of SIV. So Sorry, HIV I don't believe in evolution. So, HIV is human immuno... Uh, <laughs> God damn it. What? Well, you're throwing me off with your dog shit jokes. Hold on. What is it fucking Dog for? shit jokes. Excuse me, sir. Hold on. What does it stand for? Immunodeficiency virus. That's what I thought. So, listen here. So, HIV-1. HIV stands for human immunodeficiency virus, right? I mean, I'll have to verify it later, but... Listen, the H stands for human. Okay. It's an evolution of SIV, simian immunodeficiency virus. It's a virus that affects wild chimpanzees. <laughs> I've known a couple of wild chimpanzees <laughs> in my day, am I right? Well, they might have had 
SIV. And there's evidence that there are humans in southern Cameroon who are participating in what they called bushmeat activities. (laughs) I know bushmeat bushmeat is a delicacy. Bushmeat really hasn't been enjoyed since the late 70s. Am I right? Truly bushmeat. Now, are they... They're talking, talking about, about like, big bushes. That's the joke. Big bushes. 70s big bushes. No, I've, I, I've, I was ignoring your joke. Around people's meat. You understand? <sighs> bush meat activities is eating meat out of bush animals like chimpanzees. Like eating monkey meat? Yeah, either from hunters or as bush meat vendors. People who are like, get your monkey meat. You know, I just, why are you fucking eating monkeys, people? That's the closest to cannibalism you can come. I feel like there's chickens everywhere. Yeah, there's chickens. There's, I mean, I guess like an animal activist could come to me and say, you know, why is a chicken worth less than a monkey? But you know what? A chicken's worth less than a monkey. Chicken doesn't have the eyes of a human. <laughs> and the hands and the ability to communicate with it. The hands of a man. Human. <laughs> yeah. I can't teach a chicken to say I love you. Well, you can't. Okay, I guess you a monkey can teach can a monkey sign. to talk, yeah. right? To, well, I mean, I know they did it in the Planet of the Apes. So, listen, some of these guys started eating monkey meat. They passed it from human to human a few times after that and it quickly mutata- mutated into HIV. So, that wasn't somebody laying down with a monkey. It was probably somebody well, eating monkey bush meat. We can't rule out that there was some monkey lying going on. I guarantee you there was some of that going on. With like a monkey prostitute? I don't, <laughs> I don't take joy in reporting this, but just the the very... The numbers of monkeys and the number of people in that area at that time, there's no way there wasn't some monkey lion going on well, somewhere. you know. And that monkey is sign languaging. What the people associate, you know, sub-Saharan Africa with, you know, it's one of the things you think about now because there's so much awareness campaigns around the HIV problem there. But that area was not a high-risk transmission area until the 20th century. Hmm. when colonialism showed up, when white, basically when like white people, when like British and French people showed up. Are you sure it wasn't the Chinese fault? Because I feel like we're, that's the thing right now is to blame them for everything. No, it's when white people showed up and were like, hey, you know what would be a great idea is if we like, you know, every way that you guys have been living has been awesome for like years and years and years. Let's gather you guys into cities so it's a little easier for us to control, schmerschmerl everybody. Uh, so, they started to grow large colonial cities and that led to societal changes including a higher degree of sexual promiscuity, the spread of prostitution and accompanying high frequency of genital ulcer diseases such as hmm. syphilis in those colonial colonies. Syphilis, listener of the show. Now, why... I mean, this isn't the only place that old rich white people colonized. No, but so it was why... also the only place where it was close to people who were eating monkey meat. Okay, I'll give you that. But why today and is also, it so... They might have been eating meat like monkey meat, but you know there's people who live in the Ozark Mountains who are eating like possum meat and roadkill and stuff. Today, you mean? Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. people who would pass judgment on them for eating monkey meat. No, you're right. I guarantee there's... There is a guy in Arkansas somewhere right now, and I apologize to our listeners in Arkansas. It's probably yeah. not you, but you know well, somebody's eating a weird meat. Now, uh, a meat they ought not to eat, or eating people. Yeah, you should. You know, <laughs> just now we've we've turned down a dark path here. 
Why is AIDS and HIV so concentrated in Africa if it's a sexually transmitted? Mm-hmm. People are coming and going from Africa all the time. I think they all, like, there's some, like, I don't know. You don't know, do you? I don't know. I don't want to talk Just out go ahead of my and say ass it. again. I, I know that they have a problem understanding basic, like, sexual concepts. I remember hearing once about, like, having sex with a virgin to, like, cure your HIV which, you know, all it does is like potentially transmit it. I don't know. I've, I've just heard a lot of, well, probably you got to cut it out because I don't know. But I've heard like that they just basically need to get their shit together. Okay. But there's a lot of education to be done. Talked out your ass a couple times today. Well, hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> hey, you know what? You, you could say whatever the fuck you want now because nobody can come kick your ass. They can't leave the house. Unless they're a boomer and they think this is all a hoax yeah. then they can... Then they leave. Okay, so these next two plagues, I don't think, I mean, fucking... Try me. Please surprise me. Yeah, take a guess. Okay. Give me one hint. So, they both occurred in AD. Both were centered around... Butts? The Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Okay, give me a year. Or a, like a, a range of years. I don't know. I don't know. Fucking early. I don't, you're never going to guess these. <laughs> All right, fine. Get, just go ahead. So, listen. We've been going in order so far. So, let's just continue So smart. Random with his special precious diseases and outbreaks that he's so proud of that he just has to hang on to them until he can be the one to say what they are. Go ahead. Well, please. Talk out your ass some more. Well, all right, fine. Uh, why don't you tell us more about number four, the plague of Justinian. That's the one uh-huh. where one butt cheek expands to such a degree that the other one is so out of balance and then you can't walk and it leads to Stop. The vo- number vomiting. four is the plague of Justinian, estimated 25 million deaths. It occurred from 541 to 542 AD with recurrences up until the year 750. So, for another 200 years... The plague of Justinian kept popping up and killing people. Huh. It afflicted the Byzantine Empire, Eastern Roman Empire, especially its capital, Constantinople, uh, as well as the Sasanian Empire and other port cities around the entire Mediterranean Sea, as merchant ships harbored rats that carried fleas infected with the plague. Does that sound familiar? <sighs> no. As he yawned fucking yet again. What's that a reference to? What, I, I, I have no frame of reference for the rats and the fleas. What, can you uh, remind me what that's from, please? I'm so funny. <laughs> so, it got carried to the city of Constantinople by infected rats on grain ships arriving from Egypt. Yeah, we all know this shit. Some historians believe that the plague of Justinian was one of the deadliest pandemics in history resulting in the deaths of 20 estimated, these are all, you know, estimates, uh, stuff gets a little fuzzy the further back you go and the more quills you had to use. And oh, yeah. Estimated 25 to 50 million people during two centuries of recurrence, a death toll equivalent to between 13 to 26% of the world's population at the time of the first outbreak. What's that percent? Between 13 and 26%. Wow. You know, what's interesting is this one lasted over so long and like the Spanish flu was here and done in a year. Yeah. Well, there were also a whole lot more people in the world in 1918 
than in mm, 541. Arguably, it's debatable. And like I said, travel greatly affected the spread of the disease. Yeah, well, some, some think that. The plague in the plague of Justinian goes by the scientific name of Yersinia pestis, the same bacteria responsible for the Black Death. Though it is, it's the same plague as the Black Death or the Black Plague, was the plague of Justinian. Modern historians named this particular plague incident after Justinian I, who was emperor at the time of the initial outbreak. Justinian himself contracted the disease, but he survived. Now, a Byzantinian historian, Procopius, wrote about the plague, and I'll read it uh, just in my normal voice. When pestilence swept through the whole known world, and notably the Roman Empire, wiping out most of the farming community and of necessity, leaving a trail of desolation in its wake, Justinian showed no mercy toward the ruined freeholders. Even then, he did not refrain from demanding the annual tax, not only the amount at which he assessed each individual, but also the amount for which his deceased neighbors were liable. Uh, I couldn't focus. Can you do it again in a bad Italian accent? Well, did you pick up what I said there? He was collecting taxes from people that were dead, right? If you lost everything because everyone who worked for you, because the economy shit the bed and everyone who worked for you died and your whole family died, he would show no mercy in demanding the annual tax. Not only the amount for each individual, but if your neighbors died, you had to pay for them too. Imagine being a tax guy back then because you literally had to go door to door. With your little pouch of gold coins. Yeah, it's like in Robin Hood, the cartoon mm-hmm. version. Isn't that what That's there's? exactly who I was thinking of, the fat wolf sheriff. Yeah, you and I, we're on the same page as far as Robin Hood. Dead bodies littered the streets of the capital, Constantinople. Justinian ordered troops to assist in the disposal of the dead. And once the graveyards and tombs were filled, burial pits and trenches were dug to handle the overflow. Bodies were disposed of in buildings, dumped into the sea, placed on boats for burials at sea. And it was not just humans who were affected. Animals of all types, including cats and dogs, perished and required proper disposal. That sucks. Now you're losing your animals too. Annihilated everything. I'm surprised in the whole history of the world, we still have fucking space left to bury people today. Well, they they break down into yucky mush. Yeah, I know, but now we have like caskets underground and shit. Nah, they still break down into yucky mush. The caskets? The coffins? Whatever you call them. Oh, they're probably made out of metal now. Why? That's so stupid. Why would you want to keep your gross dead body fresh? Anyway, Uh, number five is the Antonine Plague. Knew it. Killed an estimated five million. It's number five. Five million, that's it? Yeah, a big jump down from that estimated 25 million. But it was no less... A super fun plague. It occurred from 165 to 180 AD, also known as the Plague of Galen, from the name of the Greek physician living in the Roman Empire who described it. Wait till you hear what this fucking thing was all about, and then tell me if you think you want your name associated with it. It was an ancient pandemic brought to the Roman Empire by Roman troops returning from campaigns in the Near East. And the Near East is like modern day, like Turkey or Syria. Now, scholars have suspected that this plague to be either smallpox or measles. 
To be like smallpox or measles? To be either smallpox oh, or okay. measles. Galen, who I mentioned, the Greek physician, he witnessed, not only witnessed the outbreak, but he described its symptoms and its course. According to him, among the more common symptoms were fever, diarrhea, vomiting, thirstiness, swollen throat. <laughs> thirstiness. <laughs> I think I have it. Swollen throat and coughing. More specifically, Galen noted that the diarrhea appeared blackish, which suggested gastrointestinal bleeding. The coughing produced a foul odor on the breath and an exanthema, skin eruptions or rash, over the entirety of the body distinguished by red and black papules or eruptions. Rash all over your body with red and black papules that are bursting and you're coughing up something that smells foul. Shitting, vomiting, your poop is black from blood. <laughs> Do you have to say it like that? Poop? You know, this is a rated R show. You can say it however you want. You don't have to default to We talk to about poop a lot about at my house. There's a lot of little ears around, so we call it poop. Uh, uh, quick uh, left field here. Uh, a friend years ago, for some reason, had to go to a gym that he didn't normally go work out at. And he asked this big bodybuilder guy in the hallway, he said, hey man, where is the, uh, and I guess for some reason, forgot how to say the word restroom. And the big bodybuilder guy said, oh, the potty? It's down there. <laughs> and then they both took a couple steps and then turned back to each other. And the big bodybuilder guy was like, uh, I got kids at home, man. <laughs> the potty. <laughs> the potty. So, the Antonine Plague most likely emerged in China shortly before 166 AD, spreading westward along the Silk Road and by trading ships headed for Rome. This is the exact same thing that happened with the Black Plague. Mm -hmm. Sometime between late 165 and early 166, the Roman military came into contact with the disease during the siege of Seleucia. Yeah. It's a major city on the Tigris River. Troops returning from the wars in the east spread the disease northward to Gaul and among troops stationed along the Wine River. The Gaul of those people. Right. That, no, that was good, right? No. May have claimed the life of the Roman emperor himself, Lucius Verus, who died in 169. See, if they can't even say with confidence that it took out the emperor. I think everybody kind of died a shitty death back then. So, they were just like, it was probably that disease, I guess. I don't know. Did well, he five... Wait, was his diarrhea red or black? <laughs> I do wonder, you said five million deaths here. Uh -huh. There's just no way it's accurate. It's either too small or too big. I just don't trust... <laughs> There's no abacus that I just big. don't trust reporting figures from that time period. I don't trust reporting figures now. You're right. That's all fake news. Yeah, the disease broke out again nine years later, according to the Roman historian Dio Cassius. It caused up to 2,000 deaths a day in Rome, a quarter of those who were affected. It gave the disease a mortality rate of 25%. And the total deaths have been estimated at 5 million. The disease killed as much as one-third of the population in some areas, and it devastated the Roman army. Changed the course of Roman history. Many towns and villages in the Italian peninsula and European provinces lost all their inhabitants and became ghost towns. Wow. It began the decline of the Roman Empire in the West and it was also the underpinning to its ultimate fall. Damn. So, that's the top five deadliest outbreaks. Let me ask you something. Brandon, you're a daddy just like me. Uh-huh. When you have a little kid, let's say, you know, three or under and they're sick, 
a pain in the ass, right? Because they're not sleeping well, and when they're not sleeping well, you're Someone not sleeping well. Some would approach it with a little bit more empathy and compassion, but sure, you could just yeah. define it as a pain in the ass. Tell me I'm wrong. Is it not a pain in the ass when they won't sleep? Sure, everybody's miserable. Yeah. Imagine that scenario, but worse, and you can't give them any medicine. There's no cough medicine. There's no baby Tylenol to give them. There's no... Yeah, they could just get fever until their head pops. I just can't bring myself to imagine how fucking miserable it must have been for those people and the families and you're all living together in this stinky house paying taxes. Everybody smells like shit. Yeah, well, that, that's on a normal day anyway. Yeah. So, now it's really bad. That's the base level. Yeah. So, I have a bonus plague for you. Now, why is it a bonus plague? It's a bonus plague because it was not particularly deadly, although it did kill some. But this is so much fun, I could not talk about it. It is the dancing plague of 1518. It is a case of dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg, Alsace, whatever, in modern, what's what's now modern-day France, in the Holy Roman Empire in July 1518. It ended up with around 400 people dancing for days without rest. And over the period of about a month, some of those affected collapsed or even died of heart attack, stroke, or exhaustion. It's like Summer Solstice, that movie. I didn't see it. But what it is also like is what the tale I'm about to unfold. All right, all right. (laughs) Now, before you tell your tale, just so we know ahead of time, will you or will you not be talking out of your ass at this point? Nope. This began in July 1518 where a woman, Frau Trophy, Frau, began to dance fervently in a street in Strasbourg. Oh, baby. Frau got the fucking boogaloo flu, started shaking her ass. <laughs> Damn you for saying In the middle of, middle of July, hotter than hell, Frau starts shaking her ass in the middle of town. <laughs> no, and this, you're adding, you're editorializing is what you're doing. Well, that's, that's what the people paid for. Now, this lasted somewhere between four and six days. I can't imagine the shape her ass was in after between four and six days of shaking it. Now, is this in the middle of the town square, you said? Yeah. Within a week, 34 others had joined. And within a month, there were around 400 total dancers, predominantly female. Some of these people died from heart attacks, like I said, strokes or exhaustion. Was Frau out there till the end? She had to have died early on. It doesn't say whether she made it till the end, if she was like their, you know, their leader through the end, their muse. I don't know. Now, historical documents, including physician notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council. And they're clear that the victims danced. It is not known why these people dance, some even to their deaths. Now, here's the deal. They never asked any of the people that were dancing, hey, why were you dancing out there for a month? Here's the deal. You're a concerned noble, okay? You're a noble in this town. Whatever the hell a noble is. You got a little money. You're not as covered in shit as everyone else in town. Well, now I know this is make-believe. Now, the dancing plague is getting worse. And you and your friends are worried about this. It's not good for the town. It's not good for tourism to have all these people out flippy-flopping around the town square fallen over dead because they can't stop bringing the boys to the yard and you got to do something about it. (sighs) Bringing the boys to the yard. So, you go and you ask the local doctors who in the year 1518 are idiots Uh, and they say that it's not astrological or supernatural in origin which makes you feel good. 
They tell what? you that the plague is a natural disease caused by hot blood. Wait, what? The doctor tells you that? Yeah, the doctor tells you it's caused by hot blood. But they don't prescribe bleeding. They encourage more dancing. I'm lost. So, what do you do? The nobles went to the doctor, the which doctor is probably said, just like... The doctor said this is totally natural disease because their blood's too hot. What do you what do? what was he basing that on? He, okay. That's just what they said. They said his blood's too hot. What are you going to do? How are you going to fix it? What are my options here? I don't know. It's year 15, 18. You don't have any... I'd probably just go start beating the shit out of everyone. <laughs> okay. Well, now they didn't prescribe bleeding, which might have been what you're getting at. Yes. Get their hot blood out of them. Yeah, I got to get it out. Let off some of that hot blood steam. Now, what they decided to do was encourage more dancing, in part by opening two guild halls and a grain market and even constructing a wooden stage. They did this because they believed the dancers would recover only if they danced continuously night and day. Forever? Yeah, like, like, you know how sometimes before bed you'll be like, kids, go, you know, go run around the block or get the wiggles out. I guess the authorities are like, these guys got to get the wiggles out. <laughs> so, to increase the effectiveness of their... Thou people must get thine wiggles out. To increase the effectiveness of this cure, the authorities even paid for musicians to keep the afflicted dancers moving. I just don't understand the doctor's rationale here. How do you think it went? I think they all died or passed out. The strategy was a disaster. <laughs> After these policies were applied, the illness underwent a dramatic growth. Performing dances in more public spaces facilitated the spread of this psychic contagion. Psychic contagion? Oh. So, we are establishing for sure that it was a psychic phenomenon. Well, more on that in a moment. But about the dancing okay. itself, we don't know what the dancing looked like. It had to be the Macarena. But it must have been intense. Historian John Waller stated that a marathon runner could not have lasted the intense workout that these men and women were doing hundreds of years ago. Yeah, but think about how much better shape everyone was in back then. Were they stopping to eat and drink and use the bathroom? Yeah, I don't right. Well, they could have done all that while dancing, technically. Well, maybe part of the reason why you die of heart attack or stroke or exhaustion is because you're not practicing self-care <laughs> while well, you're no fucking way. dancing in the middle of the town square. While you're boogieing your ass off. There's no way they were getting enough hydration. Even no. if they weren't dancing, they weren't getting enough hydration. I did refer to it as psychic contagion. Yeah. This has happened before. Several times there have been outbreaks of mass psychogenic illness. It involves many individuals, usually in small groups, less than a thousand people, suddenly exhibiting the same bizarre behavior. The behavior spreads rapidly and broadly in an epidemic pattern. The sufferers are primarily adolescent females. This kind of comportment could have been caused by the elevated levels of psychological stress, like the despair caused by the ruthless years, even by the rough standards of the Middle Ages, that the people of that time were suffering. So, it could have been, some people, I guess, say, induced by stress and, like, despair, that they just, they were like, fuck, you know what I need to do? I just, I gotta dance. It was like, um, Kevin Bacon. They were like, they can't fucking stop it. They gotta dance. They gotta get footloose. Both feet. How has there not been a movie about this? And got out in town square, started shaking it. Next thing you know, everybody's got hot blood. I think what you were saying is they were bringing all the boys to the yard. Yeah. But didn't they understand, aren't humans already hot-blooded or warm-blooded? Yeah, you don't want your blood too hot. 
That means you got a fever. Why does the doctor just think, oh yeah, their blood's too hot. That is the reason for this dancing. I mean, you're asking me why like these guys were just this side of caveman. (laughs) I mean, what year was this? 1518. George Washington was only 200 years from then. We hadn't even reached the point where we were saying that like our bodies were filled with different like spirits and humors. (laughs) This is extra stupid stuff. Well, I think the world would be a much better place if instead of COVID-19 right now, we were all dealing with it. I think we switch over to dancing. Yeah, I think we just all switch to that. I think we're better off. That's it. That's all I got. Well, that was very uplifting, inspirational, motivational message should make all of our listeners feel better about their impending fate. I researched the hell out of diseases for the last few days. So, now I need to cleanse the palate. Yeah. With? Some online betting. Okay. I thought there was a millisecond where I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to break into Santa baby. I will never do that. Yeah. Well, that's what you say. But what you say and what, you, what I know will happen eventually, two different things. Okay. I meant to bring this up earlier, but how much worse off would all these people be trying to deal with these outbreaks? You know, we already established there's no modern medicine, there's no vaccines, mm-hmm. conditions sucked back then even when you were healthy. But imagine if, you know, you're thirsty and you're dancing all day and someone goes to the well and fills up a bucket and they bring it back and you're, uh, you're so parched, you're ready for that drink and you bring it up to your face and it's just a big old fucking bucket of peanut butter. <laughs> I, that's a, I don't have to think hard to imagine what a slap in the face that would feel like. <laughs> but, you know, if they had lived their whole life where it had always been peanut Constantly butter Constantly expecting well. disappointment. <laughs> Yeah, but I already told you. They just say this is fucking par for the course. I knew when I lifted this bucket, I'd be staring at a brownish beige fucking gooey mess because that's the kind of fucking life this is. But you know what the great thing about peanut butter water is? You're not only quenching your thirst, kind of, but you're also quenching your hunger at the same time. So that's peanut butter water. (laughs) Congratulations. I got it in there. It had been too long. All right. Do you want to take us back through the top five? Those five deadliest outbreaks in history, courtesy of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's blog, were number five, the Antonine Plague, killing five million. Number four, the Plague of Justinian, estimated 25 million deaths. Number three, HIV AIDS epidemic, 25 million deaths. Number two, the 1918 Spanish flu, killing 50 million people. And number one, the pestilence, the Great Bubonic Plague, The Great Mortality, the Black Death, estimated 75 to 200 million deaths. That is such a huge jump from three to two and then two to one. 200 million people. Imagine that. And you know, that's a lot of people. That's an extraordinary (laughs) amount of people. That's a lot of people. Yep. (laughs) Today, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Imagine back in the goddamn 1300s. It was 80% of the people around some areas. So, you're right. You know, when, you, when we came into this, you said, this is going to make us feel better about what we're dealing with today. Because what we're dealing with today, at the, I mean... It's not going to be great, but it's not going to be fucking... Yeah, not to downplay the people that are suffering from it, but obviously, we're not going to have 200 million deaths from this thing. So... You're not going to shit blood. Well... Probably. Not from this. Maybe. Probably. If you get DoorDash Chipotle, you might. <laughs> Well, speaking of cleansing the palate, I have one more way we can do that and that's with a few reviews here. Oof. You want to do that? Yeah, is anybody kissing up to me again? 
One of these is going to make you feel pretty damn good about yourself. <sighs> Bless. I need it. Let's hear it. Okay. This is from Erin Beth 1986 on Apple Podcasts. She says, this is the highlight of my week. I have a job I hate. I am chronically ill and my partner is currently 1,200 miles away getting her home ready for us to live in together. It's so nice to have something to look forward to during the week. The hilarious banter, interesting lists, and laugh out loud material helps me get through the, my day. Wednesday has become one of my favorite days of the week thanks to you. Keep up the fantastic work and you have a lifelong listener in me. Wasn't that the sweetest damn thing you've ever Yeah, that heard? was great, Aaron. I'm sorry <laughs> that you're not feeling so hot and have all that other shit, but thanks. That was really sweet. It's true. Where was the part? Was there a part that was supposed to be specifically about me? No, that was great a- about myself collectively with you. I don't like sharing. Last week's Brandon ass kissing review was a once in a lifetime event. It's like Haley's Comet. Once every 70 years, you'll get one good review about just you. I don't like sharing a compliment with you. It diminishes it. Yeah, well, feelings mutual. Thank you, Aaron. That was very sweet. Thank you, Aaron. Sincerely, we appreciate you listening. And it means a lot to me. I'm being serious here. It means a lot to me to read your review. It made my day. Thank you so much for that. So, I'm going to move on now to, holy cow, dude. Was that from fucking a Ninja Turtle? No, that's the name of the reviewer. Oh, his name is the holy cow, dude? His, well, his or her name, you fucking sexist fucking animal. Oh, holy I'm... cow, dude. Okay, sorry. It could be a lady. This is an, another nice, very kind review, but not quite as eloquent. Holy cow, dude, on Apple Podcasts says, five-ish stars. Well-versed with good chemistry from the hosts. Yeah. I think there's a, there might be a typo there. I think he, from the host and sidekick host. He or she continues, enjoyable content that they get into depth on. Highly recommended if you like lists and like getting into them like myself. <laughs> Liz- I'm following. <laughs> uh, list for everyone, including most prolific serial killers. How can you have a favorite? Well, they do and that's cool, kind of. <laughs> what? How can you have a favorite serial killer? I like how they said, list for everyone and then including most prolific serial killers and then that's where it ends. No other examples of the types of lists we give. <laughs> that was just the one they really liked. Yeah. I can have a favorite. No, I have a favorite too. Yeah, I like, what are you going to do, Who, man? Life's no, And they're life's not my fuck. favorite like I'm... I'm not cheering for him like a basketball star that I'm watching on the court. My favorite one to read about or learn yes, about. the most interesting one. Yeah. Not my one I want to fucking put up on the wall. Who is it for you? Uh, it's the Golden State Killer, isn't it? Yeah. I've done the, yeah. probably the most reading about him. What a little dickhead. Yeah. That's hard for me, man. Albert Fish is the one that always gets the hair up on the back of my neck the most. By the way, spoiler alert, I have another serial killer list coming your way soon, everybody. Cool. Thank you to Holy Cow Dude and to Aaron. We appreciate you listening and if you want your review read on this show, just go to Apple Podcast Reviews or Podchaser.com. You can rate us and leave a review there and we will eventually read it on this show. Even the bad ones. Oh, and by the way, today is episode 79 Next week is episode 80. That's how numbers work. Would you agree that that's fair, Brandon? Sure. That after 79 comes 80? I'm okay with that. Okay. Well, Brandon and I have already decided that in lieu of a normal list guessing next week, we're going to do Make an out. episode. Oh. We're actually going to do an d- episode entirely dedicated to 
the U.S. version of the TV show, The Office. We've had a few people ask about that. If you remember back in episode 32, we covered Seinfeld. We guessed each other's favorite characters, favorite scenes, quotes, episodes, etc. We're going to do the same thing for The Office. Oh, shit. I got to do a lot of work. Yeah. You got to watch a lot of The Office. I'm really sorry to tell you. By the time you're listening to this episode in your ears right now, there will be some polls and questions up on our social media, at Tennis Pod. Go there and respond, and we will read your comments about The Office on the show next week. Isn't that something? Isn't that special? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, anything else you want to tell the fine folks at home, Brandon? No, wash your hands, stay home. Wash your hands, stay home, don't go outside, and stay safe. Continue listening to our show. We'll see you next week for our office-themed episode 80. 